It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What in the world was that? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackaby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Happy Sunday, happy morning after to all of you. We are joined, as we are every Sunday, by um, Montgomery Radio vet Daryl Daprich. Daryl Auburn. Goes to one and in SEC play, a seventeen to fourteen overtime win against Missouri. But man, uh, it didn't really feel like a win. One of the craziest games I've ever seen. Yeah, you know we we we've watched a lot of football. I'm sure over the years, you and I, and we've sure. heard all the broadcasting cliches that there are. And one of the ones that broadcasters love to use is, "Man, it's a shame somebody has to lose this game. It's a shame somebody's going." You know, I, I felt like the flip side of that, it's a shame somebody had to win that game. Mm. And it got me, I was on, I had frisky whiskey on speed dial, found out they didn't deliver to Montgomery. That was a little disappointing because <laughs> of having to sit through and watch that game. Wanted to use one of your sponsors. Sure. But it was, um, it was, it was very, very difficult to watch. Mm. Um, I, I felt like either team did not want to do anything to win the game. Um no one grabbed the game and, and took it by the horns and said, okay, we're going to win. It's like both teams were trying to find ways with ineptitude to lose with with stupid plays, execution poor, curious play calling. Yeah. And at the end of the day, another stra- strange, strange play in Jordan Hare to add to the lore. It felt like – and I saw someone else tweet this out uh, on, on Twitter mm-hmm. – uh, and I didn't want to act like I stole this because I felt this during the game when we when that game was over and I was done watching that Auburn game. It felt like the Jacksonville State game. It felt like a loss that was a win. Uh, you know, that was a win. It just you come away with that feeling. Yeah, I get that. That year though, there seemed to be hope. Right after that, there, you thought, well, maybe Auburn can turn it around. There's not a coaching, you know, a coaching cloud hanging over. But that's what it felt like to me. It didn't feel like I know it's a win. It's an SEC win. Yeah. But it just did not feel that way at all. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the difference is every Auburn fan wanted to escape that. But there's a large part of it, of the Auburn fan base, which surprises me a little bit. It's just like, no, let's, let's get this over with. And I, I think that's a, a bad angle, and we'll touch more on that in a second. But Yeah, I, I do know, want to say something about that. We'll come back to sure, that. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as far as just the development of the, the last few minutes of the game or of regulation then into overtime... I mean, the Auburn offense finally kind of gets something going in that last drive of regulation, and it's fourth and one, and it's like, okay, great. We're going to do this. And then just the amount of penetration that the uh, that the Missouri defensive line was able to get and stop Tank in the backfield, then all of a sudden, Auburn's defense has been shut down for the entire second half. Like, they've just been incredible. And Missouri goes down the field, and it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, a quarterback centering up the the field goal attempt for their really, really good, uh, the thicker kicker. That is a big good boy. Um, that dude, I thought he was a center. I wanted him to come over and play center yeah. for Auburn. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously he missed it. Overtime happens, and it's like it looked like Robbie threw a pick, and then he didn't. Like, And then, obviously, you know, Missouri's uh, Missouri just gives the ball away at, like, the six-inch line. I mean, just a crazy, crazy chain of events. And Auburn kind of slipped away opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and eventually won. But it didn't really feel like any of those were well-deserved. Like, it, it was just the, the flukiest thing. Like, it was crazy. They were gifts. They were gifts. All they of were them. Gifted. Here's the thing. Let's go back to the drive that that where Auburn should have been setting up for, for a, a, a field goal to take the lead. Okay, okay. so fourth and one. I don't blame Brian Harson for going for it at all and not kicking the field goal there. I I, I think that that was a, a good move. Mm-hmm. However, when your offensive line, I, I've watched a lot of football, a lot of Auburn football. That it's the poorest offensive line I think I've ever seen. I, it's I mean, bad. They're getting in the backfield when the hand, the ball's getting handed off. So into Hunter or Bigsby. So this is a perfect example of the coaching staff not customizing or changing the game plan to suit the inadequacies mm-hmm. or the inequities mm-hmm. or the the lack of things you do well to the to a play call right when ashford snuck the ball early in the first half and he almost snuck through they get the first down why not go right back to that why why do you try to give the ball to somebody 3 yards in the backfield when your offensive line's getting blown up all day that's the example of hor- the, the the head scratching coaching decisions what what you have on the field, your strengths and your weaknesses, that's what you coach to. Yeah, they, he did not put them in a su- position to succeed at all. Yeah, in that situation. Uh, Daryl, I'm going to push back against that just a little bit. Three of four on fourth down of the night. Obviously, we're all going to talk about the most important one at, at the end. But also, if that would have happened, if if they would have called the Robbie sneak again and he didn't get it, what would we all be saying? We would all be saying. How do you not give it to Tank Bigsby in that situation? That's what we said against South Carolina last year. That's what we said in a lot of key situations last year. And there were multiple times where they gave it a Tank in fourth and short. And it's like, I mean, that's what we've been asking for. That's what we've been well, asking for, and they gave I don't it to have him. A, I don't have a problem with them pitching it to him, but that slow, delayed turnaround you know, wait till tomorrow morning to hand it to him crap doesn't work. And even... Robert Griffin III, who I think is a, a not a very good announcer, made a great point and said, if you do this, if you go for it on fourth and one, the way the offensive line's getting blown up, I get it, give it to Tank. But again, example of how you get it to Tank is important. Just a little flip, a toss sweep, and get a guard out in front, a tight end out in front mm-hmm. to give him a chance. Right. But that's not giving him a chance. It's the same kind of play they ran against Alabama last year when they needed the one yard, and they turned around, and it was slow as Christmas before they gave Bigsby the ball, and he got blown up in the backfield. Same thing. And they they did it. So I don't have a problem with going for it. I have a problem with the selection of the particular play call. I get it. I Everyone you. screams give it to Tank, but maybe give it to him in a different situation or different uh, format than that. And then as far as choosing to not go with Anders in that situation, are you okay with that? Well, I mean, you know, I think from a coaching staff standpoint, it's the most important thing you can do is get a pulse of your team Mm -hmm. and know where your players are at. And maybe they just didn't feel like he was very confident after missing not one, but two kicks before halftime after Auburn ran a really good 
35 second drill. I mean, say all you want about a lot of things that went wrong today, but that was executed. Give Robbie Ashford a lot of credit, gets him in great position to get points to go in at halftime. Could be a 10 point swing because you get the ball to start the second half. Right. And he misses both kicks. So maybe they felt like his psyche was a little bit bruised. And then think about it in overtime, he missed the first kick, if not for the offsides. So he really technically missed three kicks in a row yeah. before he hit the 39 yarder. That's true. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. All right. Let's talk about some of the positives, some guys that stood out. Yes. Yes. Um, in just a moment, Daryl, real quick, we got to tell about uh, tell our friends about uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best place to uh, go when you're trying to hire talent. Look, these days, every potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to make a job posting at LinkedIn, and then once you have the job posting up, you can add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Daryl, there were moments where Coy Moore was the player that I thought he would be ever since he committed to be here. You yes. saw that pop. You saw him get in space. And you saw him at times look like the most athletic player on the field. And that's what we all hoped for. That's why I predicted Coy Moore would lead Auburn to receiving yards this season was because of the, what, did he have four catches? He had, let's see, he either had three or four. He had... Four catches. Four for 74. Yeah, yeah, yeah including one that was uh, for 24 yards. That was pretty big. So, yeah, that 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 to me w- was the guy that's like, okay, you know, if this offense is going to take that next step, there needs to be help on the receiving end of things, and maybe Coy Moore uh, took a step today. I saw three big plays from him. Well, two, two and a third. The one play that he fell after the nine-yard gain would have went for about 30 yards, so that was a nice play, a nice setup. Yeah. The back shoulder throw that he made was clutch on the sidelines. was a nice athletic play. Beautiful. And then the play where it looked good, like – Good placement was, by Robbie, too, by the way. Yeah, it really was. Great yeah. placement by Robbie. And then the play where it looked like it was going to be a, a, a screen pass and then a, a, a throwback screen where Coy Moore was going to throw it, and then he didn't. He ran with it and reversed field and had, had a nice long run there. He did look explosive, and that's the thing – that I wanted to mention because a lot of times when things go south like they do right now and there's like a black cloud over this program and you're talking about coaching decisions and coaching changes, what gets lost in all that is how hard these kids, some of these particular kids played. And I want to give guys like Derek Hall and Robbie Ashford and Coy Moore and Leota and Caden Bridges, some of these guys, all the credit in the world for not quitting, mm-hmm. playing hard, representing Auburn, 
I mean, you know, Robbie Ashford goes into the tent after throwing a block right. to try to spring Coy more, and he, he comes back out and begs Harson to go back in. Caden Bridges doesn't give up on the overtime run, and because he trails the play, he recovers the fumble. These kids aren't quitting. They're playing hard. They're playing for Auburn, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. They, they deserve to be commended. Yeah, we talked all offseason about Harson's culture and, you know, teams believing in themselves and all that. I think you are seeing that. It's just I don't. I think the scheme stinks, and I think your offensive line stinks. But like as far as guys wanting to win and do the extra stuff, I do think you're seeing that. Um, yeah, I think I think you can see a team. You just because a team is close and really cares for each other doesn't mean that's a culture or indicative of something the coach necessarily does, right? I mean, I, I, sometimes it is, but sometimes you can still be close and love each other as teammates and play for each other. And that that environment or that culture is not precipitated from the top down. They just they really grow have grown together over the last couple of years and have been through this together. And I and I do think this is a close team I do too. that isn't going to give up on one another. Uh, I'm there with you, man. I'm there with you. So um, no, I'm glad you shouted some of those guys out. And even like they were talking about, you know, take Bigsby giving the the beats away to the mm-hmm. team, and you know he was just excited that he was able to do that for, for everybody. Like, I, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. All right. Um, Holden Gurner. Uh, I, I thought he would, I thought he would be more impressive than he was. Once again, it's not his fault. Pressure is just all over the place when it comes to, you know, pass protection, but he, he looked less comfortable than I expected him to in his debut. Yeah, I did too. I thought uh, we heard a lot of good things about him, and I thought he was going to come in and look a little more poised. But again, could be an example of what posi- what kind of situations and 100%. positions the coaching staff put him in. You know, you'd like to see them call some plays. I guess that if you run a slant in Jordan Hare, they feel like they're going to arrest you or something. I don't know what it is. I I watch opposing teams run it. I watch other football teams run it, and I'm going with a freshman quarterback that needs a two step drop. Bam, get it out. That's a perfect play to run for a kid that's coming in on his first series. Auburn won't run it. They ran the screen pass, but other than that, quick hitters get the ball out. They did him no favors yeah. with the play calling. Yeah, as soon as Auburn's game was over, I sat in silence for about 15 minutes trying to comprehend what just happened. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm putting up some stories I'm, uh, for AuburnDaily.com. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Tennessee, Florida going in the background. And it's just, you see what Heupel's done with that team. It's year two for them, too. And it's like, you see what they're doing in year two. And you see what we're doing in year two. And it's just, like, not the same thing at all. And I saw Auburn people tweeting about it. I was like, how are are other teams getting guys this open? Because we haven't been able to figure it out. And it's just so frustrating because guys like Coy Moore and guys like Javaris Johnson and guys like Malcolm Johnson Jr. and Chedrick Jackson and John Samuel Shanker, like, these guys are just as talented as the receivers on these other high-powered offenses. It's just the, the, the scheme is is hurting our guys. And, and a quarterback sometimes, too. That I mean, Hooker is, is on the elite side. Sure. You know, he wasn't at Virginia Tech. But, but these guys are credit. wide open. They, they are wide open. And I think that goes back to assessing your needs. I, I want to ask you this question. Okay. I keep hearing about how poor the offensive line play is, mm-hmm. and, and I agree. And I, and, and I keep hearing, you know, Harson's to blame for not actively pursuing some guys in the portal in the offseason, riding or dying with the guys he had. Remember, there are probably some guys I feel like that would have come to Auburn and played offensive line but saw six or seven dudes coming back that were nine-year seniors 
sure. including the COVID year, and said, I'm not going to get any playing time there. Right. Well, at what point do you say these guys just aren't getting it done and you tell a guy from the portal you're going to come in here and compete and probably win the job? And what point do you realize that maybe Nick Brahms – look, I get it. Maybe nobody knew that he was hurt and couldn't go. But come on, you have to have a pretty good idea with his health history that there may have been an issue and you don't try to go get a center just for an insurance policy makes no sense. I'm there with you, man. I'm there with you. And I've played the what if game. And to answer your question, player retention and player acquisition is the head coach's job. He gets credit for it when it goes well, even though other people help. And if other people don't get him on, he, he, he takes the punches with it. Like that's just that is the part of the job of you being the head coach. Um, as far as like the offensive line itself, it is an interesting thing to think about. Like if Nick Brahms was there, how much better would it be? Because I think the tackles are better than it was a year ago. Um, like I think Zaire is fine. I don't really notice him, which is exactly what you want from your left tackle. Troxel whiffed on some stuff. Um, just watching it live. He, he didn't look as crisp as he has in, uh, in the past few weeks, but yeah, the interior stuff is just so bad. And I think a lot of what Harson wants to do is under center, and you can't be successful under center if you can't get an interior push because you don't want defensive tackles that close to your quarterback. So I, I do wonder how much it would help if Nick Brahms was there, but I'm with you. It's like that can't be, that can't be the end-all, be-all. Like you're telling me if you added Nick Brahms, it would totally change the offense. Like I'm not buying that. But no, I do. Th- I, I do think. It would, I do think it would help. But he he was the he was the signal caller, the offensive line leader. But I guess my point goes back to when all this happened in February with Harson, and he really didn't get anybody from a signing class the second signing day, and you start to pursue people in the portal. He really felt like I'm just going to go with the seven or eight guys I have because they're going to be experienced. That you know, they I had a lot of guys with a lot of playing time. How do you not know? Really, I mean, I how do you not know in April? that Nick Brahms is not 100%. He had to have had some sort of health issues in April. Were you just sure. crossing your fingers and hoping he's better by September? Yeah, I mean, that, that's he, he a didn't... poor decision by a coach to do that. Yep, yep. He had surgery before the bowl game, didn't participate in spring. It's like, how do you not prepare for, for life without him? And, and I'm just not buying the whole, like, you can't pitch things to, you know, guys that are running out of eligibility that, you already have a solid position group because they went out and got, you know, Marcus Bragg. They made the pitch to him, and he's actually looked pretty good uh, in his limited playing time. Or Morris Joseph, and it's like, I mean, those guys are done after this year, and they're not starters. They're role players. So, like, you're telling me you couldn't make that pitch to offensive linemen and get them on campus. I'm just, I'm not buying that. But we'll um, we'll see. So, as far as concerns moving forward, Daryl, we talked about this a little bit throughout the week, and I had a crossover recorded with um, with Locked On Missouri's host, but um, the TJ news happened, and then um, it, it wasn't relevant anymore, so I couldn't air it. But the a big thing that we talked about was like Missouri's inability to stop the run, and it's just really concerning to me that Auburn had 1.8 yards per carry on the ground, 45 carries for 82 yards. And you you had 45 carries, and the longest one was a 14-yard run. That is awful. I, I almost 
that's almost unbelievable to me. I had to go back and look at it twice. And, and when I saw things like that being posted on social media about yards per carry, yards per play, mm-hmm. it just, I, th- I thought, surely not. And then you go back and you look at what the total stats were and how many yards they rushed for. And it's just, you know, there every play seems to be blown up. The only the only thing that seemed to work to me from a running standpoint were it was improvised plays, mm-hmm. plays that broke down. You know, I think Robbie did a good job on some of those. He also did some things where he took you know stepped out of bounds three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage that he'll learn. But everything is so. I mean, Missouri's running backs seem to be getting push, seem to be falling forward. When, you know, after contact, mm-hmm. Auburn seemed to be going sideways or backwards. And at this point in two years of somebody's tenure with offensive linemen that have played forever and a back that was supposed to be one of the best backs in the SEC, it's mind-boggling to me. It, 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 there's no other explanation for that except schematics and how they're scheming and play calling because it can't be execution if you're not even having a chance yeah. before the play starts. I mean, and, and the yards per play are indicative of that. No big plays, no splash plays, you know, taking the top off down the field. I mean, I was so excited early on. I, I take that back. I guess there was a slant thrown on that first drive, right, to Amari Kelly. The first two drives looked really good. I, I got very excited. I saw a sack, a turnover, and a ball thrown to Cam Brown, and I thought we were in the end times. <laughs> yeah, and then I said, this can't be happening. And, right a, and a devotion, almost a stubborn devotion to the run game early yeah yeah i mean it reminded me so much of 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 the gush years where he just said i'm gonna run it down your throat and you're like okay they know what their horse they have to ride to win this game is yeah and missouri's off defensive line is is porous against abilene christian they got no pressure they got the ball run on them Mm -hmm. so auburn and then and then missouri adjusted and auburn didn't adjust no. And so but, it was amazing to be fair, how, how that completely switched. Yeah, I, I do think they tried to adjust. It just nothing worked. I mean, they tried throwing it more. They tried going yeah. back to the running game. They tried making everything go through tank again. And it just, to their credit, I think they tried. In the past, I couldn't, I don't think we could say that. But I do think yeah. they actually uh, they actually tried there. But yeah, Tank Bigsby, 2.3 yards a touch. That's sad. That is very, very sad. Auburn had under 220 total yards. I think it was 217. Yeah, 217 total yards. That is the first time it's been under 220 yards in a win, lowest in a win since Auburn beat Nebraska in 2006. The Tuberville and yards era. per play were, were, was 3.18, I think, that year, too. That was the lowest yards per play in a win and lowest total yards. And I remember watching that Cotton Bowl and having that same kind of feeling <laughs> that I did watching – this game, except there seemed to be hope. And, you know, you're going for a 10-win season, and you've got Brandon Cox at quarterback. So I, it's just amazing yeah. how years, different years. But you're right. I mean, the, the offensive ineptitude and to still win because, guess what, turnovers, and they did cut down on the penalties. Yeah. Yeah. The so. turnovers were the difference in that game because without that second interception, mm-hmm. Auburn doesn't score that touchdown and go up 14-0. You're talking about a different game. And, of course, without that fumble, the game's either tied or over in mm-hmm. overtime. So, yeah, turnovers, it's pretty easy to point to that and say, with that offensive ineptitude, how did they win the game? That That's what we kept talking about last week, about right. being on the turnover side, positive side of the ledger. That's a case where turnovers won you the game. 
All right, Daryl, coming up in just a second, I want to talk about what do we do moving forward? What does the end of the Brian Harson era look like? All right here on Locked On Auburn. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. I want to encourage you to join the Locked Out Auburn Discord. If you were not in there, you missed out on a wild, wild <laughs> few hours, really an entire day yes. of uh, craziness in the Locked Out Auburn Discord. So uh, check it out. It's in the episode description down below or in your uh, the episode show notes, depending on how you're consuming this show. It's free. Just click the link. Daryl, pardon me. I mean, I was kind of prepping for it. I didn't think Auburn was going to win this game, and I was kind of prepping for it to, to happen yesterday on Saturday and um, I don't think you can fire him right now after a loss. I think you got to wait. I think you have to wait till either you lose to um, LSU or you lose in Athens or what probably makes the most sense from a logistics standpoint is you wait till the bye week. Well, I'm, this is going to be a really weird statement. I'm going to agree with you that you're right, but disagree with the premise. You're you're what you're saying is, factual and is going to come to fruition that you're they're not going to fire somebody in my opinion after a win Mm -hmm. but i don't think that that has to be in the mindset i disagree with that mindset i think you look at trajectory of a program you look at where a program is you look at a win that absolutely feels like a loss and, and and what happened there uh you know a win they talk about how it's covers up a multitude of sins not in this case it didn't and so I want to go back to something we talked about early on in the, in the program. And that was that feeling of, Oh, I'd rather just go ahead and get this over with. And, and people that are Auburn people kind of feeling like they were pulling for Auburn to lose. I'm not judging people that do that. Everyone has their own particular way to be a fan and have fandom. I'm just not wired that way. And I, you know, when the ball went through the end zone and, and, and uh, Caden Bridges fell on it. There yeah. was a, a part I, of me that was, was happy for those kids and to get the W. Oh, I, I, also, was, I, I was, I was totally I like, happy. I, I was totally happy. I don't like Wits either. I got tired of his little side-like antics. Crap sure. Too, so I was sure. Glad to see no, him that, go that, down. That's but, cool. No, I get that. But yeah, you know, and, and again, I'm not trying to be judgmental about the people that are like, Hey, I'd rat- I don't think it matters at this point. That ship has sailed. He's a dead man. Walking. He's gone. He's gone. No He's matter gone. what. And, and so people talking about, all these national media heads and all these writers talking about coaching for his job is the biggest misnomer. His job is done. It what it, what pressure is on Brian Harson right now? What does he have to lose by losing that job? Because of the buyout, nothing. Nothing. He's in fact if he loses his job now rather than in December, he's 3 million dollars richer. So why is he coaching with any pressure? He knows that ship has sailed. Yeah. He knows he's a dead man walking. He, From his body language, he wants to be anywhere else than there. So there's no pressure on Brian Harson. He's not coaching for his job. That job's gone. Yeah, uh, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. My reaction when the fumble happened and Auburn jumped on in the end zone was I was pumped for these kids because they're still working their tails off. And so 
these are the guys that are putting the, the blood, sweat, and tears in. We're just kind of supposedly cheering for them. I'm cheering for them. I hope they win. I, I think they deserve – look, he's gone anyway. If it was a case of somebody that, saying that's okay, my if thing. he loses the game – he he he's he's gone. I get that, but it does. I he's gonna he's he's gone anyway. So why don't you win as many games as you can before he goes out the door for these kids, right? Or he, maybe even luck up and have another coach coach him in the bowl game. I don't see that happening. You got to get three more wins. You never never know. But who's to say that you know they get lucky down the stretch and win a few more games for these kids, and then somebody else gets to reward that payoff with the bowl. I, I, that's what I want to see. It, it doesn't matter. His ship has sailed. Yeah, you, you want six wins because you want the extra practice time for the bowl games. Like, don't yes. say that the bowls don't matter because like Auburn, if Auburn goes to a bowl, it's probably not going to be a big one because six or seven wins is the ceiling, I think, at this point. But you want to be able, you know, if you're a Holden Gurner fan and you, you think he's the future, like you get more practices with him at quarterback. Like, all of that is extremely Extremely important. Gives, you know, whoever's coming in the chance to watch more of this team and get ready and more prepared for running a spring practice a few months after that. So don't think like, oh, yeah, you know, if you if you just hate Brian Harson, don't think it's best for Auburn to go three and nine because that is not true. Like, that is incorrect. And so he's he's gone no matter what. I firmly believe so that. So win as many as you can with him going out the door, even if it's with an interim. I don't, I don't care. Even if he wins, if he right. locks up and beats LSU next week and then gets, you know, blasted by Georgia and something happens in a bye week, okay, well, then Almer's sitting at four wins and then an interim coach comes in to try to scratch two. Look, you know who could really, really benefit from an extra three weeks of bowl practice? How about that wide receiver room, who I think has got a lot of talent, is being underutilized, has some good young players, and could really, really benefit from an extra three weeks of a bowl practice. I'm there with you, man. I'm there with you. I think there's every position group out there could. And, and it'll be fun to see what happens with the offensive line because a lot of the older guys may opt out for the bowl game. So you can get some new guys in there just to see, just to see what happens. <laughs> that may be a blessing in disguise, yeah, brother. Maybe, maybe so. So we don't know, but but it's it'd be nice to see, yeah. right? It'd be it'd be a nice uh side story. Right. So, like, there's there's no reason to root against that happening. No, um, there's not. And, and I get it. A lot of you that comment on YouTube and a lot of you that tweet at me and a lot of you in the Discord really, really don't like Brian Harson, And that's okay. I'm not telling you to like him. But if you're listening to a daily Auburn show, you care about Auburn. And so it's still best for the program if Auburn <laughs> wins. And yes. in fact, if you're anti-Harson... What happened Saturday may have been the best case scenario. You get a win, and also like it's pretty much a loss when you look at what Brian Harson's achieving. So um, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. But I'm kind of feeling like it's either is about to happen or we wait till the bye week. Yeah, I, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that it's a, that, that it's imminent too and could happen, even though there's a win. Um, uh, we'll see what happens against LSU at night. Uh, night game, big time atmosphere. Uh, sounds strange to say it, but Auburn coming off a win emotionally could be at the same type of fever pitch. You know, this game give Auburn Nation credit. They had almost eighty thousand there. It's hard to get up for a game like this, but I think the LSU game will be a little bit more emotional. You'll have a little bit more of a crowd into it at nighttime mm -hmm. and all that. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, will TJ Finley be back? 
You know? Yeah. Has there know. has there ever been a normal Auburn LSU game? Like, why not? No, why not us at crazy. home? Why Absolutely not us at crazy. home? But I'll be watching, and I'll be hoping that those kids that, that really laid it all on the line today and didn't quit when others were kind of quitting on them, including, in my opinion, some of the coaching staff. Um, Just from a body them, a body language standpoint, like they did not, they did not. Did you look see the picture of the field goal attempt? The the famous viral pic that's going around real quick of when uh, Missouri was about to kick the field goal. There were special teams players and coaches and everyone was huddled up on the field with Auburn and Harson was on the sideline with his back turned. Yeah. The body. I mean, I, again, he may have already said something to the team, but the body language there seems to be mailing it in. Yeah. I, I hate it. I do too. It I is what it. it is, brother. Yep. Just, just watching it. Like I, I felt sad, Daryl. I felt sad watching it. I didn't, it, I did it, it really yeah. wasn't about winning or losing. And like normally in those situations, like we would see Auburn struggle offensively in the Gus era for a little bit. And like it, there would be frustrations or anger. And, you know, I, I think there was some of that in Mercer and San Jose State and, and even Penn State this year. But what happened Saturday, like I just felt sadness and I hated it. I hated it so much. And so you just see all these other programs like, you see Bo killing it at Oregon, and you see, like we mentioned, Tennessee, and even like with Florida, with them hiring Napier, like there's still hope. There's still hope mm-hmm. there, and it's just like, I don't know. There needs to be hope at Auburn, and so hopefully stuff happens it in might the next be, few It months. might be coming. I it hope might so. Be coming soon. We, everyone just so. needs to stay positive because hope and change and things. Auburn is bigger than any one coach or any one controversy, and it'll be back. That's right. And uh, Abby reminded us that uh, the basketball's – Coming up, because he wore a basketball yes. jersey for yes. most of the second half, which checks out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, thank you so much for your time as always, brother. We'll talk next week. All right, have a great Sunday, brother. That is Daryl Dapridge. I'm Zach Blackerby. You can read all of our written work at auburndaily.com. And we will see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. 